Soundtracks. Soundtracks to films. Do you like soundtracks? Is that something that you're into? Well, we were on holiday over the summer, and as we were traveling round, um, with four of us in the car, the youngest of us being 12, and the oldest being me, and I won't tell you how old I am, um, it's quite difficult to find music that we all like. So I came up with what I thought was a brilliant idea. Go onto Spotify and put a list together of our favorite films and listen to the soundtracks to them. Lasted well for about 20 minutes until the boredom set in again and we then had to find something else. But when you're watching a film, it's the soundtrack, isn't it, that brings the film to life. If you imagine watching a film without music, there's not a great deal to sort of capture your interests, apart from the visual, obviously. But the two sort of go together and they make it interesting. I want to try and picture the scene at the beginning of Paul's second letter to Timothy. There are two characters at the start of this letter. There's Paul and there's Timothy. Think about Paul for a moment. Paul is a man who, by, by sort of modern standards, is approaching retirement age. He's a well-traveled man. He's coming to the end of a long period of ministry. He's in prison in Rome. But he's not imprisoned in the way that he was last week, if you're joining with us, in the book of Acts, where he was under sort of house arrest. But now he's actually chained in a Roman cell, in some dingy, horrible place. And he says later in the letter that he is in chains, criminal. He's like a criminal. He's been treated like a criminal, even though the only thing he has done is to preach the gospel. If you know anything about Paul, Paul was dramatically converted on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9. He encountered Jesus in an incredible way. And then he was welcomed into the family of believers by people like Ananias and Barnabas. And in verse 1 of this chapter, Paul announces himself, he introduces himself, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He's appointed and he's called. I want you to now think about the other man in this passage, and this is Timothy. Timothy is younger than Paul. We don't know quite how young he is. He's certainly not a teenager, but he could be in his sort of 20s, possibly up to early 30s. But as we find from both letters to to Timothy, Timothy is not a well man. He, He suffers from quite a lot of ailments. He's also quite timid and shy. He's perhaps not the kind of person you would expect to be taking over the leadership of the church. And it's just an amazing reminder to me that actually, you know, God uses all of us if we're just open to him. With our frailties, with our weaknesses, he uses us as we are. But there's something else about Timothy. He's from a family of Christians. There's Eunice and Lois. There's these mother and grandmother who were Christians before him. Now, what Paul is saying, he's not saying that, you know, Christianity is hereditary, it's sort of passed down. But what he's saying is that one of the most important ways that the gospel is shared is in families, from person to person. Each generation has to make their own decision to follow Jesus. But it's that sharing, that passing on of the gospel. And what a reminder to us today. Now, today, if you're here, or you're joining us online, and you're a parent or you're a grandparent, or you're a children's group leader or a youth group leader, the importance of passing on the gospel, of sharing those incredible stories of Jesus, of sharing the good news one generation to the next. So we're in the early 60s AD. The church is probably just over three decades old. 
The original apostles, well, they're getting older and they need to pass on the baton of leadership to a younger generation. So here we are in the final letter of the Apostle Paul. Not to a church, but to this one man, Timothy. And what we'll find in this letter is it's essentially about passing on the good news, about making sure that the gospel is passed from generation to generation. That, that reading that Claire read from Deuteronomy right at the start of our time together this morning was just that reminder to do that, wasn't it? Talk about the good news of God. Talk about what God has done. Write it on your doorpost. Talk about it as you're walking around. In effect, pass on the good news. I want you to keep using your imagination. I want you to imagine you are Paul this morning. And you're in a rather dark and dingy Roman cell. That's the best picture I could come up with online. But just just use your imagination. Imagine there are rats scuttling round. It's not very sanitary. Nobody brings you food unless friends bring it to you. I wonder what would be consuming you as you sat there. I wonder what would be eating away at your mind as you're there. You know, I get perturbed if I go away overnight or I go away on holiday and the bed isn't very comfy. I don't know if you ever do this. I find myself there lying awake because I can't get to sleep and it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm pleading with God for sleep and I'm finding those passages of the Bible that say, you know, that that God blesses people with sleep and saying, Lord, please help this to happen. Here's Paul, not in that kind of situation, but in something far, far worse. You know, my thoughts go all over the place even when my life is slightly disturbed. What about Paul? Well, we'll come to him in a moment. You know, this week, I think for most of us, has been a bit of a roller coaster week, hasn't it? Over the summer, we, we'd started to feel that actually life was getting back to some kind of normality, that we could start to meet with more and more people, that things were opening up again, and then we have this week, and we start to hear that coronavirus cases are on the rise again. We watch the Prime Minister talking about his new rule of six, and that from tomorrow, we can only once again gather in very small groups. But praise God, as a church, we can continue to meet. And I don't know about you, but I was really thankful that the Prime Minister actually mentioned about church services and that we can continue to go ahead as, as worship, um, worshipping together. But it sort of changes the background, doesn't it? If you like, it changes the soundtrack of what's going on. It's if the soundtrack has been going into a major key, and now it's gone into a minor key, and there's all that fear and all that uncertainty that comes with it. Think about Paul in that prison cell for a moment. Think about him and just imagine yourself there. It would have been very easy for Paul, with that reality, with those fears, to sort of go introspective, to shut down into himself and to think about nothing else other than his own fears. And they were very real, alarmingly real. If church tradition is right, and we've got no reason to doubt that it is right, is Paul was martyred not long after this was written. He was also living with fears for his own health and safety in this rather dingy and unpleasant place. Those kind of fears would probably consume me. I would be thinking of nothing else. I don't know about you, but I would find that I would be just thinking, Lord, Lord, help this situation to stop. Help something better to take its place. But not Paul. Not Paul. This letter will not go into that kind of introspection. But it will be about the gospel and passing on the good news. 
If you forget everything else that has happened this morning, if you forget everything else we've done, can I encourage you to take home this half verse? The promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Let me just say that again. Well, we can say it together, actually, if you're in the room. The promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. What an amazing half verse that is. Can I encourage you to do what the writer of Deuteronomy says to do with that? Go around, talk about it. Speak that verse out while you're walking. Pray it into your life. Think about it. Meditate on that verse. Speak it out. In Christ is life, not only for this life, but for the whole of eternity. In Christ is the hope and the fulfillment of God's message to us. So to Timothy is this letter of bold confidence in the gospel. Paul will not turn in on himself. So it poses a question to us in our lives. What do we do as the soundtrack changes? What do we do when our reality is not really what we'd hoped for? How do we start to react? You see, there's all of us face this reality of pandemic at the moment, don't we? But I'm sure for many of us, we face other difficult realities in life. Other things that actually, if, if we're honest, we, we'd rather not be going through. And when we face difficult realities, there are all kinds of reactions to it. One thing we can do is to deny it. We can put on a false smile and refuse to acknowledge that anything is wrong and just try and carry on regardless. Another thing we can do is be absolutely consumed by it. And so our temporary reality of this world sort of consumes us and we don't think about anything else. We can't find joy in anything else. And we're there on our phones checking the news every three minutes to see if anything has changed. Another thing we can do is we can try and hide our reality. Most addictions seem to come out of human beings trying to hide reality, trying to sort of cover it up with something else. Or we can allow that sort of the temporary world, the reality of the temporary world, if you like, to just muffle the glorious soundtrack of the gospel that can resonate life and hope and purpose over us. Paul doesn't do any of that. He won't do any of that. He will face his reality. He will talk about it. But he knows it's only temporary. What do we find Paul saying in other places in Philippians? For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Corrie ten Boone puts it like this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You see, Jesus had never said to Paul, you know, if you follow after me, your reality is going to be really straightforward. He never said, if you follow after me, things will be nice and easy. And actually, in these first five verses, we see that he talks about joy and tears. You know, the sort of the pain and the joy that we find in following Jesus. But he won't be consumed by it, Paul. He won't be consumed by the pain of the temporary reality. Because even if the worst happened to Paul, which it probably did, the best was yet to come. Even if the worst happened, the best was yet to come. Do you believe that this morning? That because of what Jesus has done, because of the life that Jesus speaks into us, that the very best is yet ahead of us. Because we have life, not just for now, but for all eternity, because of what Christ Jesus has done. So I want to leave us with two things this morning. And the first thing is this. Do you know life in Jesus Christ? Do you know what that joy of knowing Jesus is all about? You know, perhaps you're listening online and actually you, you've not really experienced that this morning. You, you don't know what that life is all about. 
Perhaps you're here today and actually you're thinking, I- I'm not really sure. The gospel is the good news that Jesus has come, obedient to his Father's will, that he's died for the sins of the world, for my sins, for all the rubbish stuff that we've done. He's risen again in glory and he's coming back. And he offers us joy and peace and life and a totally different soundtrack, if you like, to the temporary one of this world. If you haven't known that joy, can I encourage you, come and talk to me, come and talk to one of the other leaders or a Christian friend. We'd love to introduce you in more depth to Jesus. But today, actually, perhaps you know that joy, but the reality is that at the moment that the world is just crowding it out. You know, all the noise that's going on in the background, the soundtrack of our reality today is, if you like, muffling the soundtrack of eternity. If that is you today, can I encourage you to join with me in prayer in a moment that actually we will focus again on the good news of Jesus, that it will become our primary thing, that it will become the thing we want to pass on, the thing that we want to share, because actually with Christ we know we are his forever. Our world is desperate for good news, isn't it? Desperate for good news. We have it. It's here. In Christ is life. If we're a follower of Jesus and the Spirit is in us, we have it. It's treasures in jars of clay. We may be broken, we may be fearful, but we've been given it and we're called to pass it on. This is the gospel. This is the gospel we're called to share, the life in Christ Jesus. Let me pray that we will experience that life today and that we'll have the courage to keep passing it on as we move forward. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the good news that is in you. We thank you for the life that is in you. And I want to pray for each of us, whether we're in the room here today, whether we're we're listening online live or or listening to this at some other point. Lord, would you um, just encourage us to keep our eyes fixed on you? Help us, just like Paul did, not to be consumed by our temporary realities. Help the fears of this world not to, not to drown out the glory of the gospel in our lives. So we pray your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives, in earth as it is in heaven. Amen.